1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hey, Ioni. Hi, Olivia, and hello to the listeners. We have a new review today. Ah. Uh, however, I can't say hello specifically to this person because their name is just a keyboard smash. But thank you so much. Five stars, love. This podcast is my current obsession. Feels like having... A chat with friends during lockdown, which is just so so nice. Yay. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Polyester online and in print and everywhere else.
3: And I'm Olivia, the co-host, producer and editor of the podcast. We publish weekly episodes with the Sleepover Club one week and obsessions the next.
2: This week is the Sleepover Club where Olivia and I, and again this week, a special guest, we are smashing it with the special guests, have all those gorgeous conversations you'd usually have at Sleepover with your girlmates.
3: And next week is the Obsessions episode where Ione and I talk to someone we admire about something they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with how they generate their income.
2: So we're back to sleepover. Yeah, back to bed. Back to bed. I am in my PJs. This episode, we have Tavi Gavinson, friend of the podcast, friend of Polyester, to talk about her new podcast, which is called Life Skills by Ricky, And it's a great podcast, but also... Just love this conversation about advice and kind of like what place advice has in care what those crossovers are and what good and bad advice is
3: yeah should we just go into the podcast
2: yeah let's just have a listen it's a longer one isn't it so you don't want to yeah. hear any more of our voice than you have to
3: <laughs> here we go
2: so We are here because you have your new own podcast, but I know you've already done a lot of press around it, so I wanted to ask you what you wanted to be asked about it that you haven't
4: been yet. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, Naturally, I don't have a response off the top (laughs) of my head, but I guess like, you know, I'm just really proud of all of the episodes and of the writing that nine rookie writers did for eight episodes. And I mean, they're fairly straightforward. Like it's the series is called Life Skills. It's based on an advice column we had that Krista Burton started. And I just kind of asked our writers like to pitch me a few different skills they want to cover and then decided on like a good mix for the overall series. But I don't feel like, I mean I've certainly noticed, I continually noticed the way that working on this series, what it did for me personally, I can't speak for our listeners, but like, I'm so grateful that I had the experience of working on that, especially this past year. And I'm continually realizing like, oh, the reason I'm reading Adrian Marie Brown right now is because our writer Dylan Tupper Rupert referenced their work in an earlier draft of her episode. Or, oh, the reason why I'm much better able at arguing um with my boyfriend right now is because of the (laughs) episode about dealing with conflict better as in more mature and not you know yeah it's gonna be like like, better at like
2: winning or better at like being an emotionally grown human being
4: yeah if it was like how to win an argument (laughs) um (laughs) how to be litigious um (laughs) So I just sort of keep discovering aspects of working on the show that really helped me. I have miraculously, like the first episode is how to do self-care that actually works. And certainly working on it, I was like, these are so many good ideas, Danielle Henderson. Like, I'm so glad that you're doing this. I highly doubt I'll be able to instate any of these rituals for myself. And I just keep noticing like, oh, you have been going to bed earlier. Or like, Mm -hmm. you have been taking a sec at the beginning and end of the day to do nothing so there are all sorts of things that have stuck with me and I hope that anyone who listens to it can experience the same
2: so I feel like we've kind of had this self-help and advice boom in recent years that kind of moves away from the more traditional aspects of it like advice columns or you know like we've seen it kind of move to Instagram in a way that's infographic based and like influencer-based, and I was wondering Mm -hmm. what your thoughts on that are.
4: I have so many thoughts. Um, You know, it is not uncomplicated by the fact that I just released an advice podcast. Um, (laughs) I feel like uh, one thing that was definitely on my mind and that I definitely talked about with writers as we were working on the episodes was how quickly Instagram, especially with so many more of us relying on the internet right now, um, how quickly it turns uh, noble (laughs) things or righteous or virtuous things into jobs, such as activism or self-care. And there are people who, they are activists and Instagram is their platform, and they're really good at knowing how to use it to disseminate important information and change, you know, public opinion and bring once fringe ideas into the mainstream or on a more kind of tangible level, like just get people to phone bank or attend actions. But it is also, you know, I mean, when I see people talk about like, like apologizing for taking a break from social media, I'm like, oh man, I'm sure Facebook is so fucking happy that we think that (laughs) to be an engaged human being, we have to be looking at Instagram as though it's a nine to five job. And, you know, I think a lot of people have been, particularly maybe activists and organizers who have been doing this work for a long time, were quick to, especially during the Black Lives Matter protests, be like, this cannot be just about, you know, white people learning how to perform anti-racism on Instagram, this work has to carry over into the rest of your life and have be something that you also work on within yourself without any, you know, approval. Um, and I feel like I've seen people talk about self-care in a similar way. And I've certainly noticed for myself, like, I don't share that much of my life on Instagram. I share a lot more of just like my work because there are a lot of things that I just want to keep for myself and I don't want it to just be like more data. But all of this was on my mind. I'm getting slightly away from your question, but I do think there's <laughs> a connection too between self-care and... Um, you know, figuring out what you believe politically and what your values are. Um, I know that, you know, the kind of anti-racism book clubs have gotten some backlash for seeming like solipsistic and like white navel gazing. Um, but I also think, uh, activists and a lot of black feminist writers have long advocated for you know, integrating your political beliefs with how you behave uh, on a day-to-day basis and how you treat yourself and people you know. And um, critical theory for me has been such a map for... It's helped me so much in my life and in making sense of my experiences. So I think that especially with, you know how much COVID has accelerated existing problems created by American capitalism, racial capitalism, um, and especially following all of the great reporting and writing that was happening around the protests. Uh, I feel like working on the show, there was sort of an integration of, you know, some of that theory or um, writing that's changed a lot of my life or our writers' lives with self-care. Like, again, talking about Adrienne Marie Brown or Jenny O'Dell who wrote How to Do Nothing. Like, I mean, now that I'm saying this, I'm like, oh, there were probably opportunities to be even more explicit about politics and critical theory in the show. But I definitely think that like what has helped me in, you know, trying to not just state the obvious about self-care was like both in my own life and working on the show was to to make the connection between the way that being able to do power analysis and race, gender, class analysis can is like a invaluable tool in yeah. Taking care of yourself and understanding your own life.
3: Yeah, because it's such a good point that it's like so often dismissed. I remember like ages ago when we did the imposter syndrome episode, Ionia and you were like, just this mentality, which is kind of like this modern day like social media self care that we see of like, just you just tell yourself you're great and you can do it, like totally doesn't take into consideration all the factors that go against people, specifically like marginalized people. Mm-hmm that if you don't look at like class race gender like disability then you're not considering that like what you tell yourself isn't going to deconstruct what other people are telling you right necessarily like it's more it is more political than that isn't it
4: i think right now at least in the us where we have such careless leadership even with biden in office um you've really seen the lethal effects of resilience rhetoric, um, which Dylan talks about in her episode, like how telling people that the, they will be stronger through preventable suffering um, or, you know, even the way that the, a lot of anti-vaxxers are like wellness people who think that everything should be natural and that if everyone was just healthy. Um, They wouldn't need to, you know, deal with the medical system at all. And obviously, that's like not taking into account how much um, the medical system in the US has failed black and brown people. It's also the thing of like, when something gets repeated enough, it becomes really trite. So even if there are basic kind of popular self care ideas that I agree with, it's like surely there's more to it than this
2: yeah and I suppose something that kind of obviously Instagram is very good at doing and does by nature is it gives you everything at once so we are at this weird point where like wellness is conflated with like socio-political alignment and like pseudo-pop psychology especially like in particular like are you codependent or are you this like kind of infographics like oh my god I know (laughs) <laughs> and like it feels it feels very um it feel I mean dangerous is like a very big word but it feels very unsettling that a lot of people use this like as in they will believe that they have a serious codependency issue for example after reading one infographic so I suppose my question from that would be and I think a reason why people obviously always respect rookie is because of the care put behind it and the thought and that contextualization But what makes good advice versus bad advice?
4: Good question. That is a good
3: question, Ione.
4: (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I know it is so wild to see like infographics that are like, how to know if your dad hates you. Um, (laughs) But nothing's that extreme. But um,
2: (laughs) it is on TikTok. I've recently been getting into TikTok and that is what they do
4: on there. Like a hundred percent. I can't. I mean, look, on one hand, especially after watching the new Britney Spears doc, I'm glad that people are talking so much about mental health. It's sort of similar to like the way that when terms from critical theory become mainstream, you naturally have like a lot of people misusing them. And then you have to deal with a backlash because like, Ben Shapiro doesn't actually know what intersectionality means. He just knows that he hates it because a lot Mm -hmm. of annoying people use it and because he's annoying and conservative. But um, to answer your question, I feel like good advice acknowledges that, you know, whoever's giving the advice can't know exactly what someone else is going through, that there are different um, dynamics at play depending on, you know, someone's racial identity, class, all of the factors we were just talking about, um, and that these are real structuring forces in our society that can regulate people's lives on the level of even their emotions and how they feel day to day. So I feel like good advice has to have that acknowledgement and understanding and also be If it can't be practical and pragmatic, then I think it's more about trying to help someone see or think in a different way or look at what's going on according to different terms. Uh, and I think bad advice is like overly didactic or like comes from someone who maybe hasn't metabolized a lot of their own experiences and is trying to do that by talking about other people's problems, aka me doing rookie when I was younger.
3: Yeah. Um,
4: and I probably still on some level, but like, I think that, yeah, I feel like the baggage that you can bring to giving advice, it's hard, but important to kind of uh, isolate that or at least acknowledge whatever your bias might be and just kind of give people better tools for thinking about things rather than like, when this happened to me, here's what I did.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like that thing that you said, Ione, with Cleo, from when we were talking about self-care with thyself and how sometimes when platforms grow that aren't like community-based, that are more individual-based, then then they grow really fast if they're like what the algorithm favours, which is like a skinny, able-bodied, white, attractive woman, whatever. And these are the accounts that will grow, like, so much faster than a community account. So it's so much more of, like, an individual voice. And then when that becomes a place of self-care, it's, like, centred around this one kind of privileged approach to self-care as opposed to, like, community examples. And also just, like, exactly what you're saying, Tari, about, like, how when it comes to self-care, you have to, like, know yourself well enough to then be able to completely remove yourself from advice. Mm. And that is just like the work that so many people are just not putting in. And like I haven't even thought about it till now about how much of these little quick captions of self-care are like kind of the anti-care because they're like a way of someone to reject actually taking and spending time with themselves.
4: Well, that reminds me of something from I can't remember who said it but on a episode of your show about how people kind of offer these mental health narratives that are about triumph. Like, Mm. they'll get on and be like, Hey, you may not know this, but I've actually been depressed, and I'm out of it now. And definitely like the versions, you know, who's allowed to be to claim their mental illness is totally coded in race and gender and uh, ability as well. But it makes me think of this amazing Mary Gateskill essay called Victims and Losers, where she talks about how there's this idea that everyone in the US, especially, just wants to be a victim. And that this is like, you know, cynical and this desire to be a victim should be denied. And she writes something like, I think it's the exact opposite. I think Americans are so profoundly neurotically terrified of being victims that instead of being hurt and rejected and sitting in that, people need to create narratives out of their suffering and, you know, go Mm. on a talk show and discuss it or release a best-selling memoir about it. Or, um, you know... My favorite, Taylor Swift, write 200 songs about it. Shia LaBeouf, make a movie about it. Doesn't mean he broke the cycle of harm. Doesn't mean he didn't carry out abuse in his personal relationships. Like making a story or a product out of harm is not. And the idea that it has to be like public in order to be cathartic, um, I think is such Mm -hmm. a, I wow, think it, yeah, it, it's cool. so misguiding. It's so
2: interesting as well, isn't it? Because Olivia, I don't know if you remember, because I remember like what I was writing about on when I was writing about objections for my proposal and how like we've kind of gotten to a point where, yeah, your trauma has to be out there and... But we have to make our trauma aspirational i'm not I'm not not talking about us three because I don't really think any of us <laughs> divulge in that kind of content, but like you know the common we like it's got to a point where yeah, your trauma has to be aspirational, which then makes all of these issues like not aspirational to be like mentally ill, but yeah aspirational to get out of it, and like this person's lifestyle is aspirational because they look the way I want to look, sound the way I want to look, do the content I want to make. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying about like, Instagram being a job in that like, it's a job in that we think we have to divulge everything in order to like, yeah, build a successful platform based on our personality. And it kind of just reminded me of, I was reading like one of your interviews about life skills when you were talking about like, the closure of Rookie and how you were partially funding it through your influencer work into like the community platform. And I don't even have a question, but my mind's just gone blown.
4: (laughs) Um, Uh, I relate to that, but I, I do think like it's so funny how when I did shut down rookie and write this long thing about what was going on behind the scenes, it absolutely felt therapeutic to be able to share it in public, especially mm. because community, you know, Rookie was a community. It wasn't like, it didn't do the same thing for me as like, you know, being an actor and playing a character for people who don't know you. Like, it it was a really important. That connection was an important part of my life. At the same time, I was like, clear eyed enough about how the world works to know that by shuttering it when I did and being able to tell the story myself, that also, you know, was a way of doing, you know, some good PR for myself, like it it also benefited me. Right. And that doesn't mean that, you know, it's invalid or or altogether cynical or anything, but it's just like a byproduct of like, you know, being familiar with the phenomenon that we're we're talking about
3: I think that's like a good way of looking at it of being like there is no you kind of don't really know if you're doing anything right or wrong with care and and like providing care but one thing to like definitely bear in mind is like the amount just just like the acknowledgement of like the time and energy any kind of care actually takes. I think that's like because we always Ioni and I always have like a little bit of a gripe with these like a gripe plus I, I, I love that word.
4: <laughs> really we always that. have a bit,
3: a bit <laughs> of a Barney. but we're always a bit like with these quick instagram slogans and and maybe they've come from a you know some of them definitely will have come from like a well thought out well considered place but I think that like when you actually think about self care it's actually like it's a process of yeah like sitting with something that is difficult requires a lot of energy and a lot of work and I think like I might even just be like kind of repeating what you're saying but just how that like it's too easy to then be like you get to a point where you almost acknowledge it and then people are immediately like okay well I'm going to be public about it or I'm going to help people with it or I'm going to and it's like actually you're still at that point where it's like painful and difficult
2: you're processing it like stop
3: trying to get out of that place like Also stop thinking that like by helping someone else it's going to make you feel better because that thing is still there for you. Like it hasn't gone because someone's seen what you've posted and replied to it. Even though like, yeah, there's defo pros and cons to that. I am constantly like, no, this is good. This is fine. That's okay. (laughs) It's for
4: sure mixed. I mean, there's also like the fact that anything we post on Instagram, like Instagram itself does not care what we're actually posting. It is all just data, and they are just becoming the priests of surveillance capitalism are only mm-hmm. becoming more and more adept at reading and predicting our emotions, mm. which is terrifying and is maybe another reason why like it can feel even though in one way, like it's what we have, it's the platform that a lot of people are on, it can feel, you know, uncomfortable to divulge, you know, your own stuff or engage with other people's trauma in such a a cynical forum even though we don't really have you know we don't have control over the fact that like this is one of the biggest platforms right now
2: yeah and I I was interested as well because I feel like you Tavi have been I mean obviously correct me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong I'm making a huge assumption like more online in the past year like perhaps due to the pandemic or perhaps you just wanted to be I don't know so like How has that been, basically, is my question.
4: For sure. Good observation. (laughs) I definitely needed the connection. I also sort of decided, like, this is a tool and I don't want to go to the effort of, like, running a newsletter or, like, doing something like that every time I have something to share. Like, it's a very easy way to draw attention to, like, my friend's work or things I care about. So... I've just been trying to find a balance where like it can just be a tool that I can use rather than something I'm like afraid of and that I know is making me less intelligent. So I check in maybe like once a week now and that feels a lot better than you know maybe in the last spring like scrolling through it every day. But I think it's also made me interested again in like what this is doing to those of us who use it a lot. And I also felt like, again, going back to last summer, like the conversation around like what's performative and what's what's quote unquote performative, because that is a misuse of the word, um, the way people use it. And also what is like tangible action. Mm. I find that to be a very interesting question when many of our lives are, playing out more and more in the virtual realm. And when the virtual realm is undoubtedly a huge, (laughs) uh, I mean, it's just where media is now. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like if, you know, a bunch of guys on Reddit were able to feel like they helped elect the 45th president. And if he said without Twitter, I wouldn't be here, then yeah, I do think like, the conversation online matters. So uh, even if it's not everything. So I'm definitely kind of more trying to use it as a tool and also look at it from a bit of a distance because I find it interesting, like just what it tells me about human behavior.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: And like, do you think, I mean, because obviously we all started using the internet as like a outlet for, I mean, for fun, like ultimately we would like teenagers, children. Do you think you'll ever get back to that a point of being able to use the internet for fun?
4: Oh, I do feel that. And I mean, not all the time, but, um, you know, last week, my way of procrastinating was to try to curate a playlist of YouTube videos of kids' school projects um <laughs> to like maybe I, I was like maybe i'll like stream i'll like put together a playlist and stream it on twitch or something and you know that was a fun task that made me remember like how fun it can be when you're when i'm using it to actually go outside of like my you know regular echo chamber and obviously like there are things i read that you know make me feel that give me a sense of community and give me um, part of what rookie gave me but it just like takes i think kind of concerted effort like if you're if i'm using it passively of course i'm going to end up on stuff that makes me angry <laughs> it's designed to do that you know at least a lot of social media is so
3: one there uh, one thing i've noticed what because what, what you were saying about um i've started to use i've started to go on instagram less as well like it just happened by chance over christmas and then i was like oh yeah this feels nice or whatever but. One thing like I've always like like saw articles out on the internet about around care largely around sleep and one thing I've noticed because I've only had Instagram for like just over a year no about a year and a half but one thing I was just thinking of then was that like I've noticed since I've had Instagram I don't like sit and read an article I like scroll for the the big hitters and I'm like more drawn to like sleep in six simple steps or like what this means in three ways of how an animal and, and, and I, I never used to like want to consume something like that and I you know I've spent like time just even in, on this podcast being like if you want to train if you want to work on yourself then you know you've got to spend a bit of time with it and then I'm there on the article and even if it's not broken down into points I'm like <laughs> searching for keywords you know what I mean it, it definitely just like that's just become it hasn't it we're so used to things to, to so so much information so fast that like when it comes to care we do we just want that one sentence where we go oh yeah like that is how I feel about this person or whatever and this that and the other and then I'm going to tell someone else it in my own way and then it goes bang 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 like a dominoes almost or whatever
4: yeah it's definitely when I especially when I'm trying to write something that requires like so much concentration and like trying to not be distracted for hours at a time like that's definitely when I have to take longer um, breaks because it does, it just like erodes your attention span.
2: I was, um, sorry, I've literally just read every article you've done about life skills. So I sound like the biggest nerd right now. How like one of your friends described that Rookie could be like a skate brand almost with, you know, like drops and like, cause everyone's asking you like, Oh, what's next? And you're like, uh, no, <laughs> nothing at the moment. Um, which is always how polyester is kind of operated as well. Like whenever I'm in a meeting, they're like, so how many print issues do you do a year? And I'm like, "Um, I do what I want, (laughs) kind of when I want to do it. And they're like, I can't believe you just do that. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Anyway, so I was wondering if you think our kind of like relentless need and thirst for content and like whether it's content through Instagram or content through like a platform or like Rookie being this, like this thing that people expect to then, have to keep going do you think our kind of thirst for that is dying down and we will move towards a more thing where it's like when you want to do something not out of requirement for doing it I feel like I just hammed up that sentence but hopefully it makes sense
4: no I totally know what you mean I'm I mean I do think that like you know I don't know if these are the things that get the most hype or make the most money but certainly the projects that got me through 2020 were like you know made by people who took their time and did what they wanted, like whether it was Fiona Apple or Phoebe Bridgers or Taylor Swift. Well, she did those really fast, but it seemed like she was just kind of doing what she wanted. (laughs) And, you know, even like, especially I think when it comes to, like on one hand there is an urgency, there's an urgency in our political climate that requires, that I think asks a lot of people to, be you know not only aware of what is happening but very clear in their own communities like what is and isn't acceptable i mean especially in the u.s especially around policing especially last summer when it was like you had everyone's attention and there there was a time to really make demands and then also again around like the recent like insurrection but i think a lot about like I listened to an interview with Ta Nehisi Coates around the issue of Vanity Fair that he guest edited. And he was like, if I weigh in on everything every day on social media, I don't get to do the Vanity Fair. Like, I don't get to take the time to make something Mm -hmm. that could possibly, that will most likely be more in depth and may even reach more people. Like, and that is how I'm thinking about my. Book right now, where I'm like, when I go on social media, it makes me feel like I'm reaching a lot of people, but it is more likely that if that when I come out with a book, the people who read it will really take in what I'm saying. And there, and also another thing that Jenny Odell says in How to Do Nothing is like, there's power in speaking if you haven't spoken in a long time. Obviously, like I've been, as you just said, like I've been doing a lot of press and I'm on social media, so it's not, I'm not like a hermit by any means, but. I do think that, you know, there's an opportunity in that. And I think people appreciate it. Like, I think when Lord comes out with her next album, like, uh, people like me will be so ready. And, you know, with I May Destroy Mm -hmm. You, Michaela Cole was like, I had to get off of social media and just write and take my time. So, and also, like, if you're making something like that, especially that's long form, and that is not just supposed to be part of a cultural moment. Like you are, your peers are not like, you know, dude on Twitter, your peers are like the people who have written the greatest (laughs) books or created the best TV shows or whatever, ever. Like you're trying to make something that will speak to people beyond like this moment and speak to kind of truths that are like more eternal. So I don't really worry about like, certainly if I look at Instagram enough, I worry about like, oh, am I doing enough? But I absolutely think that people appreciate when someone takes their time and is intentional. This can be on or off record. How is gossip go? <laughs> oh my God, it's good. We're not shooting at the moment. We start again in a couple weeks but it is really fun i'm like dying for it to come out because i'm so like i can't actually talk about what it is about even with my friends because i'm like so terrified of getting in trouble um
3: (laughs) god yeah i've never known anyone to be like actually in that you know like when beyonce drops an album i'm like (laughs) who never said who and all the people that didn't say anything
4: I know. Like how I mean, at least with this people know it exists.
3: But it's even worse then because they're like like us now, like, go ahead, what's the gag? <laughs> yeah.
4: No,
2: I'm not even asking for secrets to be honest. I'm Oh I know, I know. I mean, obviously we'd love
4: secrets, but
3: <laughs> I only obviously would love secrets.
2: <laughs> obviously would love to hear a secret. Oh my god, I am just so excited for I'm it. I'm so glad. When the like character pictures dropped on the Instagram that we have like a dollhouse WhatsApp chat and everyone was literally being like, who's this person going to be? Is Tavi the new Jenny Humphrey?
4: What's going on? I, well, I can tell you that it's not like the same characters. It's the same school, but it takes place now. And you know, the original gossip girl blog is a thing of the past and there's a new generation um, who are, you know, going through their own dramas. Um, yeah. but it's really fun. I mean, it's fun to like shoot a big old TV show in New York and like be mm. around this group of people, like, you know, fun young people. They keep me young. <laughs> Some of them are super young, aren't they? I know. It is, like, even this is, like, a fascinating experience to me. Like, I'm used to being the youngest. Um, Now I'm not. I find that very interesting. Uh, You know, just observing my own internalized misogyny around that. Um, So, uh, yeah. (laughs) I'm excited. I've been, like, keeping a diary about it. And I don't know if I wow. like what if I could ever publish it because everything has to be approved by the show. Not that anything is bad, but it's just like you never know what your standard of yeah. acceptable is to like people who you know it, yeah. whose job is to like make you know just preserve mystery or, or whatever. But I'm really loving it.
2: Thank you so much for that conversation, Tavi. Thanks, I absolutely Tarvey. loved it. Brightened up a snowy lockdown afternoon, and also, oh my god, I definitely did not play it cool with the Gossip Girl thing. But I don't care because I love Gossip Girl so much.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that was amazing, and it's just so good to uh, just so good to think about someone who's been dedicated to years and years of putting content out and what it actually means to be authentic. And and I think. Authentic in who you are, not necessarily about what you're creating or what you're putting out or what work you're doing. It's like how authentic we are in ourselves
2: yeah exactly and also sorry olivia i just love the way you swerved and would not let me talk about gossip girl any longer what
3: if i had a pound for every time i let you talk about gossip girl when i get to do my
2: own obsession you are not gonna know what's hit you
3: Honestly, (laughs) i have been hit by this obsession for a long time me
2: sorry i feel like this is our, our um agreement unspoken agreement you're allowed to talk about Liverpool Football Football. Club and the Liverpool Echo. And I'm allowed to talk about basketball, okay?
3: (laughs) The Liverpool Echo, yeah. All right, sound okay well see what happens thank after you. the call <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well thank you
2: again to Tavi for joining us and listen to her podcast which is available on audible as an audible original and thank you to you Olivia despite being a little bitch about my interest
3: <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Ioni to you despite being a little bitch about my interest <laughs> <laughs> thank
2: you to Clarissa and Jacob and Gina and Gina and carlin and charlotte and hattie and camille and we will see you next week for obsessions
4: bye bye